the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and boy, does time fly, and boy, am I looking forward to the 100-degree weather we're having. But yeah. uh, as I said, I would rather have hot than cold. I am very fortunate to have the best in the business on our show today. I have Steve Wagner, who is our real estate counsel today, and he is a prominent real estate attorney who is one of the best. I only have the best on the show, and somebody I respect and admire and Ace Warren Suparp, who I have to say, I spotted him when he was a, a young youngster. <laughs> and I saw something in him that I said, he's going to be a superstar. And to this day, well, he is already, but I tell people just watch him, watch his career, because this guy is really going big places. And on top of being smart and and, and proactive and visionary, he's probably one of the nicest people I know. So that counts, too. Thanks, Dottie. You're welcome. <laughs> um, we were talking before the break about when you're buying or you're thinking of buying a co-op or a condo, and uh, Steve is going to handle it from the legal and tell you legally what you need to look at, and that's why you want to use a an attorney that specializes um, in legal that specializes in co-ops and attorneys, uh, co-ops and condos. You don't want to use your son-in-law, who's a divorce attorney, just to do it for free. Okay, and you want financing. You want to speak to Ace or someone from the um, team because you financing is difficult. Maybe difficult because if, if the if the building is not. It doesn't have enough people in it, right? Yeah, because, I mean, because look, if you're buying a co-op especially, and um, or a condo for that matter, even though you qualify on a credit profile, let's say your income is great, your credit score is great, your down payment is great, the banks still look at the collateral, right? So they still look at the co-op and condo's financial statements to make sure that they're in good financial standing. They see if there's any litigation. Stephen mentioned that as well. They'll look at investor concentration, to see if there's more investors than primary owners. And then they'll also look at, you know, once the homeowners association changes hands from, let's say, the sponsor to the unit owners, who has the voting rights? And all of these things are important for the, for the buyer because it really will define whether your building will appreciate or, or not appreciate 
or depreciate you should want to down know the that line. Too. So you should want to know that as well. So. But also, Ace of Citizens has a list, a yes. list of buildings that are not financeable. Correct. So you want to know, unless you're paying all cash, before you go purchase something, you want to check with Ace of Citizens and Douglas Elliman whether the and Douglas Elliman agents all have that They all have access to that Access as well. to the information. And check, gee, this building or this apartment that I'm looking at and I'm thinking about, I would like to purchase it. Is it financeable? Yeah. If it's not, then... You're going to have a hard time selling it to the next person, right? So. Yeah, and then where are you getting the money? Unless you exactly. can, you know, have rich parents. And, <laughs> well, or you could go to the... I tell people, go to the bank of mom and dad. That's it. They have low interest rates. They even beat citizens. Sorry. Yep. The bank of mom and dad. The best bank in the world. the best bank in the world. <laughs> even though I love citizens. Steve, anything else you want to offer on that? No? Well, the... the um yeah, the the banks actually um, will send even in building to qualify. They send questionnaires yes. uh, to the to the um, the managing agents to make sure that nothing has changed. And if, even if you just even if you have a building that's financeable now, if you're close to the number of uh, uh, units that are investor rather than owner occupied um you know that's going to if if that building switches over to one that they won't finance that's going to hurt the price big time so you have to watch that yeah we're yeah. constantly updating the information so steven's right you know right so. you should really get that and before you start start uh, before you actually start looking because yeah. truthfully if it were me and there's and the building is not financeable and you can't get a mortgage on it um, unless I plan to be there for the rest of my life, and I loved it that much, that I said I'm never moving, I uh, would be hesitant to just rush into something like that. Um, Steve, I was going to ask you a question. I read this article in the Post, I think it was July 17th, and it said thousands of likely overpaid property taxes due to computer glitch. And then it talked about Bruce Willis, and he says he's among thousands of big Apple residents who may have overpaid on their property taxes due to a new $18 million Department of Finance computer system that issued incorrect bills in early June. Did you hear anything about that? No, it's the first I've heard of it, and, and uh, but I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, says, it, it is possible well, that people overpay it, and, and you should be able to get a credit um, or possibly the money back if you've overpaid. Well, you know there are attorney, there are attorneys who specialize in this stuff. It's called uh, they're called certiorari attorneys. Yes, and um, and and they are the ones who will um, not only check that for you, but that's something that uh, they challenge the assessed valuations as well. Well, I think and, it would um, only uh, pertain to uh, people. It says that the city's new computer system issued property tax bills without including a 421A tax abatement, mm-hmm. which gives developers and condo owners a tax break for building on unutilized land. And that's what a 421 tax abatement is. And um, without the 421 exemption, Willis's annual taxes, that's to show you how much that exemption makes a difference. Annual taxes. Oh, it's a huge difference. Yeah, his annual taxes would have been $75,067. With the exception, the actor and his wife, Emma, will be paying roughly 5000 a year. Yeah. Does that make any sense? 5000 a year. That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible. Very often, um, that's a, a sales point if you're buying yeah. in a new uh, 
uh, condo uh, that that they, it has a tax abatement, and the the abatements go on for you know more than a decade. But you, if you're buying in a building that has a tax abatement, you have to find out how much longer that tax abatement lasts, because once the tax abatement's gone. That's it. You have to start paying. And, okay. you know, in your so, the example you just gave, five versus 75. Steve, you just gave another important fact. I don't really think most people realize what goes into the... Like, when you're buying a home, you get you, a residential home, whether it's one family, two family. You get qualified. You They check your credit. They And then Ace will tell you, you know, here's the interest rate, and, you know, you pick the loan. But with, with co-ops and condos, it's much more complicated. Now, a tax abatement, if they have one, and they're like, what did it say, three years into it or five years into it, I, and it looks like the taxes are not high, you have to have an attorney that knows that let me check and see what this abatement, how long yeah. it is. Uh, I mean, it would usually be disclosed in the financial statement, and it's it's required to be dis- disclosed in the financial statement. So again, going back to you know, do you have an attorney who knows how to look at and read the financial statement and knows what these things mean? I mean, if you if you get the divorce guy uh, attorney who's your f- son or friend or whatever, um, and they don't know what four twenty one a is or what it might mean, I mean, you might wind up saving a few bucks, but costing yourself a fortune later on down the road. It's like I tell people, so like if you're getting divorced, you're not going to use a real estate attorney. You're going to use somebody who specializes in that. And and developers are getting incentives to do 421A as a uh, tax abatement if they offered low to moderate housing, right? So I believe, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, after 2015, the newer condos no longer have tax abatement. So you just have to look at when the building was built how long the tax abatements right. have been going on right. for. So. Right, correct. Right. Exactly. That was, a big, uh, that was a big incentive. It was a huge incentive. For developers to build hmm. because they got that tax abatement, which was great, and yeah. plus it made the cost of whoever was going to buy there so much cheaper. Uh, and I, I, I'm not sure... But, it, again, that's great for you. But then if you move and the tax abatement is over or close to being over and somebody realizes that because, you know, the financials are long and not everybody really that I really reads them or has somebody who really knows to read them, uh, then I wonder – then I'm assuming it, I really believe it affects value also. So, in other words, it would affect the value eventually. Yeah. Completely, I agree. Completely agree. So you know, and I you know, there's me. so many, there's so many changes in the laws these days. Um, we're, we happen to be in a very interesting time because of all of the changes that were made to the law a month ago, um, where they changed rent stabilization laws dramatically in favor of tenants, and, and um, landlords are bringing lawsuits to try and set aside the law. They've extended the coverage of stabilization throughout the entire state, um, and uh, they've changed many of the rules on evictions and things like that. So there's a lot going on these days. I don't know, Dottie, have you been discussing this with any of your friends or other real estate people about the changes in the law? Because I, I, I am hearing the real estate, um, you know, people who own um, uh, multi-units, uh, you know, multiple dwellings, that's three or more, and in particular six or more, which is where stabilization is, 
they are they're beside themselves. Well, I was I, yeah. I I mentioned it on the radio show either last week or the week before. Yeah. I was at a party and uh, I you know I saw one of the, my friends who happens to be very wealthy and has a lot of real estate holdings and uh, I haven't seen him for maybe nine months or so. So I just said, how are you doing? How's everything going? And he looked at me and he said, oh, I just lost a million dollars this week. And that was when the rent, the new regulations just came out. And right. he was, you know, and then his wife was saying, well, you know, don't freak out. You're healthy and blah, 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 whatever. But he was kind of besides himself. It was a lot of money that he would be losing, he thought. Yeah, it really has affected um, uh, larger landowners, uh, property owners, because the the amount of rent they can um, collect is is basically going to be capped um, to the amount of increases allowed by what's called the Rent Guidelines Board. And it's... I was saying that on the show, but we had some uh, somebody who was like kind of an expert in that, and we, we were saying. But I said, "Listen, as much as those who are living in rent-controlled apartments are thrilled to death because it's harder to get them really out now, um, even if they are kind of playing a little bit of a game." But I, but if you if you take every incentive for people to own those buildings. Then no one's going to own them. No one's going to buy them. Why would they? I mean, you can't expect someone to start to invest money in in rental properties that they're going to rent and tell them they can't really raise the rent. I completely agree. Not only that, but I predict you're going to wind up with two classes of housing. You're going to wind up with housing that is not as nice, which will be subject to regulation, and then you're going to wind up with co-ops and condos. Um, I I think it probably will push the price of co-ops and condos up because people are not going to want to move into apartments that they have a limit of $15,000 in 15 years. Wait, say that again, um, Steve. That's a a really good point. I didn't think of it, which is kind of – because I'm not sure everybody really knows what we're talking about. And this is really very interesting. They've changed the laws. They're allowing rents – you know, which if you've got a rent – Control apartment, you're like it's like finding gold. I think you're like in Lake Flynn; they can't raise the rent that much. But right. now, but but the before landlords were able to put improvements into apartments, individual improvements called individual apartment improvements, and and they could raise the rent by one fortieth or one sixtieth of the cost, depending on how many units. The breakpoint was thirty five, and and so it was worth it for them to invest money. And to make the apartments nicer, um, and they would get the money back eventually. And not only that, but once they recovered their money, they would be allowed to keep the rent at the higher amount. So there was a big incentive for them making improvements and keeping the apartments very nice. And when, and also, Steve, wasn't it that if somebody like you know God for the died or they left, they could raise? Now that person left, they could raise. The rent to uh, you know a market or well they got they got a twenty percent increase um, just because it was vacant, and then they would put in improvements. They put in a new bathroom, a new kitchen, and they could raise the rent by either one fortieth or one sixtieth. And once they hit 
above 2,700. It changed per year. Last year, actually this year, it, was, it had been $2,775. But once they got above that, it was no longer subject to regulation and they could charge whatever. So you would have rental properties that were very nice and you know got higher rents, but there were also prop- many properties that you know just there wouldn't be that much improvement to. But the landlords had an incentive to invest, and they've changed the uh, recovery. You know, I said from forty to or sixty. That new number is now they can only get a one one hundred and fifty eighth or one one hundred and sixtieth. Well, that doesn't mean anything to anyone. They don't know what 160th yeah. means. So in, yeah. in, in regular terms, just to, to give you a general overview, because I always say you have to know enough just to know what you don't know. Uh, they don't raise them. Uh, you can't really raise them enough to make it worth what Steve is saying to do any improvements. So therefore, right. what exactly. they're going to end up doing is if I own something and I know if I fix it all up, I really don't get anything back. I'm just going to lose money that I'm not fixing it up. Okay? Right. And so, therefore, you know, uh, so you would have a rent-controlled apartment that not only was a cheap rent under market, but also looked okay, nice. Yeah. And now, I think, Steve, and I didn't think about that, but you, I think you're totally on the money. I think that what you're going to develop is these guys, you can't fault them. Why? I mean, guys, men, women, whatever. Um, you can't fault them. That You can't expect them to do improvements to get nothing back for it. And so I think there might be, same, so they're not. And I would have, you know, other than what they have to do by law, I would think. I mean, right. And the law only establishes minimum standards. Yeah. The law is not making things wonderful and nice. I mean, these are, it establishes a minimum standard. Mm-hmm. below which you can't go. And that's all people are going to do now if they own properties because there's no incentive for them. They won't that's get right. anything back if they do make the, make the apartments nicer. So that's why I say I think you're going to have two classes. Yes. One of them is going to be privately owned co-ops and condos, and the other is going to be uh, rent regulated. And it's not going to be a pretty scene in those other apartments. You know, I didn't think of that, but I think unfortunately... And I think every time they try to do something, they, you know, you kind of have to look at both things and they miss something. And I hope they change it to make it a little bit better for both. I kind of thought, gee, you can't, I understand what they're trying to do, give people affordable places to live because New York is very hard to live in as far as affordability. But the same token, you can't expect people to buy real estate as, and I'm telling you how to do investment properties, and I'm not recommending you buy buildings, especially if you don't have the experience. I'm recommending you buy a two-family house in the suburbs. Or do what Steve did. did you just bought an investment property, didn't you? And Ace? That's right. You have a in bunch Bushwick. Of, and, and, and 866-970-9622. I want to make this kind of like a basic, but I really believe, and I don't believe this because I'm in the real estate business for so long. I just believe that the best place to invest is real estate if you buy right. And I don't mean you steal it because that doesn't really happen. But if you buy right, and I just think that you have to want to be a landlord. But I want to talk a little bit how to how to at least do some homework and what you should look at. If you're thinking of buying or starting to invest in real estate, maybe a single family house, maybe a two family house. I'd like to talk with two people who have done that themselves. Steve Wagner, a great 
biggest real estate attorney and Ace One Tupac, who runs, hey, the biggest real estate finance company in the country. Thank you. We'll be right back. We'll talk about that. Their life experience. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. And we were just, you know, one day I'm going to take the conversations we have during the breaks. <laughs> They're ooh, even more interesting sometimes. So I'm with uh, Steve Wagner, a prominent real estate attorney, and Ace Wells Supar, our financial expert for the show. And we're talking about how to begin investing in real estate, if you know, not at now, not as if not if you're buying to live in, but maybe you're buying to because real estate to me is an investment. But you know, when you live in it, you have to love it too. So that's kind of more important. Uh, but if you're buying, uh, it could be your financial security in your future uh, for the, for for you. And so, I just want to talk a little about it. And how you go about it, financing. And Steve, I think from I think we you know we have a half an hour left. I'd kind of like to go about it to start and very kind of broad because I don't think I think what what I'm trying to give everyone is a broad understanding, and then you have to do homework and yeah. get better and read more, and we'll give you some books you can read. But I I do think it's one of the investments that if you don't really know, you you can really figure it out and you can learn about it. And I think stocks, um, just in my opinion. A stock could be like $25 today, and tomorrow it could be $0.50 cents overnight. Real estate just doesn't usually doesn't fall like that. It, it usually doesn't, unless there's some disaster, God forbid, that happens. So, Steve, um, you just bought an investment, and what kind of things did you look at, and what made you decide to do it, and what do you think, the, like in, in broad strokes, uh, people should look at when they're buying Real estate well, well, first of all, I I didn't want to get a building that was subject to regulation, um, you know, rent stabilization or rent yeah. control, um, because I didn't want to have to deal with all of that. I I myself was a new landlord, and even though I specialized as an attorney in all these things, I knew that there was a lot to do, and I just didn't want to have to have that be over my head. The second thing I did is um, I, I listened to people um, about what areas looked like they were going to be improving and were quote unquote hot, but not done. So, for example, Williamsburg, which is ne- next to Bushwick, is pretty high already and is pretty gentrified. And um, I didn't want to buy high in Williamsburg, and also it was kind of out of my price range. So I figured out what my price range was, and um, my daughter, who loves those areas, told me there are areas in Bushwick which are just great. So I started going to uh, open houses right? and started, and started looking. And um, I spoke to some brokers, and they were showing me things too. And um, I familiarized myself to the greatest degree I could with what was available at what price 
And I started seeing differences in the quality of the renovations. Um, I started seeing differences in um, uh, the values in the locations. I mean, you can learn a lot by just looking, as they say. And that's what I did. That's what I did. And finally, I found a place. I finally found a place that seemed like it was a really good deal. I I had seen the place a year earlier and actually put a bid in on it, but it was rejected. And the same people had the property. And I, when I, it, it was, it was on the market, it was off the market when it came back on the market and a broker said to me, I want to show you this property. I said, I've seen this one already. And I put a bid in on it. And you know what? I'll put the same bid in right now. And we were off and running. They they sold the property to me a year later um, at a lower price than they had been asking a year earlier because they had been holding it and it cost them a whole other year's worth of taxes and mortgage and uh, insurance and everything else. Plus, they had renovated an additional apartment, so it was even a better deal. Wow. So I went for it. I went for it, and and I got it, and um, very happy. You know, you talk about financial security. Um, it is a small business. It's not just real estate. It is a business, and um, I am investing money now. But there's going to be two returns to me. One is it's going to provide a regular income to me when I get older. And I'm a lawyer, and I'm doing well. But you know, as, as I get older. I'm not going to be able to work as much and my income will go down and this will be nice because the income will go up. Plus the area is rapidly improving and the, um, uh, the value of the property itself will create equity, which I might be able to tap in by talking to Ace and refinancing at some point in the future. And, and, um, and, you know, th- these are all positive things that I wanted to have happen. An investment, cash flow, something that wasn't going to drop like a rock uh, at some point. Uh, you know, because there's a catastrophe could happen. But frankly, if a catastrophe like we're that happens, then we're all to- sunk. <laughs> well, we're all sunk, but I'd probably try to buy another one. So, right. uh, See, yeah, that's exactly. good thinking. I always say, why do yeah. you buy high when you can buy low? But, you know, right. I, I just want everyone, the value of listening is this was not a plan. I just, these are two individuals happened to have really both uh, bought investments. And rather than give you some formulas and things, <laughs> I think that they're... The experience and the process of their thinking and what they went through and how you can really learn because you you can really learn real estate pretty quickly. As Steve said, you go to open houses, whether you're buying it for yourself or, you know, a personal use and you want to live in it or you're buying it for investment, go to open houses. You'll start getting a feel for prices, okay? And then even when you're using a broker, when the broker tells you it's a great deal, you're going to know it yourself also. Learn about the area, and you can get that information. And it's not, you know, with stocks, I think it's a lot more complicated. And as I said, they can drop overnight. Real estate, there's no guarantees, but it generally doesn't perform that way. I want Ace, you to give us your experience, but I yeah. just want to take a quick question that I think is for Steve. Um, Gary? Hi, Gary. Yes, hello. How are you? How are you staying cool? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, I'm not traveling outside today. I just want to say, Dottie, I love your show. I listen to you every week. Oh, thanks, every week. Gary. And it's very informative. And uh, that's why I'm calling today. I have a problem. 
Uh, I have a refrigerator. I live in a uh, rent-stabilized apartment for about uh, 25 years or so. And I have a dishwasher, uh, refrigerator, and they've replaced them in the past. And I have a refrigerator problem now. It seems to be going. It's on the fritz. Right. And if they don't replace it, what is what alternatives do I have? Steve? Well, um, first of all, they don't necessarily have to replace it. They have to give you a working refrigerator. So they can repair it as well. Um, yeah, and I, I they, would be happy if, if they repaired they, it. And, they, and if, they, if they do replace it, they don't have to replace it with a brand new one. Um, right. They can replace it with one that is, you know, used but functional. So right. that's what that's it with a new one in the past. That's twice already. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And if, if you don't um, have a working refrigerator, there's two things you can do. One is you can go to the New York State Division of Housing and Community Renewal called DHCR, and you can get to them by just calling 311 and asking. And they will direct you to um, where you can file complaints and possibly get a reduction in your rent until the landlord makes the necessary repairs. The other thing is not not so much with the refrigerators, but generally if there are conditions in your apartment, including refrigerators, that are not working and in violation of the law, um, you can call up uh, Housing Preservation and Development. Again, call 311, and um, they will direct you to... Uh, um, the Code Enforcement Bureau, who will send out an inspector. And usually what happens is if you're having a problem with a landlord, it usually isn't just one thing. And so I tell my clients to uh, make a list of all the things that need to be repaired. If the inspector is going to come out, um, you might as well let him look at everything or her look at everything. And, and the thing about it is they will only look at what you complain about. So now, if you have living without thing, a refrigerator, how long of a period would that be if a refrigerator is broken? Do I buy one? And uh, Right. Well, what do you do in the interim by the time you make the complaint and they investigate it? I mean, how long a process is that? You, you actually, if you put them on notice, I would send them a, a letter, certified um, return receipt and or... Um, there's something called a certificate of uh, mailing, which if you go to the post office for 75 cents, they'll give you a certificate proving that you mailed a letter. Mail it to them and tell them if they're not going to um, uh, fix it or replace it within a certain period of time that you will arrange to have it done. Um, and I, I would also be careful with the companies who uh, repair refrigerators. I did one recently, and they had me putting in new parts left and right, and I finally just said, you know what, it's probably cheaper for me to buy a new one. You would be able to, if they do not do do this and and, uh, and make the repair, you will be able to deduct it from your rent. And if they don't like that and take you to court, you can explain to the court how you sent letters and how you um, asked them to do it, and they wouldn't do it, and you couldn't well, buy a used but, one, right, you had Steve, to buy a new one. What should he do? Like, he has no refrigerator now, or I assume it's not working? So, it, I would, yeah, you know what, to expedite and get us, you have to give notice. Maybe you want to certify, you know, uh, a certified, I would do a certified letter. What do you think? 
Receipt. But yeah, I said certified oh, yeah. return receipt. Go to yeah. the post, do that ASAP. More than likely, if the refrigerator is not that expensive, once they get that, they're going to. But if you do it, it'll take 24, 48 hours at best. And then if they don't do anything, I probably would. I don't know, Steve. We'll, we'll ask Steve after the uh, break. What's reasonable that he waits? I mean, you really can't wait with a refrigerator. What do you. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're, we're on the line with Gary, and Gary has a refrigerator that's on the brink, and he's talking to Steve uh, Wagner, who is our legal counsel, who's a legal lawyer with legal experience for 30 years in real estate. Um, and basically, we're just asking, he should send the uh, letter to put the the people on notice of your apartment. And then how long should he wait? Because you need a refrigerator. Well, the question is, it is a quote-unquote reasonable time, but I wouldn't wait more than a couple of days. But the thing I, I was, you know, before the commercial, I was saying, uh, I don't know if it, it came out on the radio, but I was saying, go get yourself um, some uh, uh, coolers and get some ice and, and make sure that you don't lose any of the valuable, you know, uh, things you have in the refrigerator. If you have steaks and things like that, if, if you should be able to deduct that from your rent or get the landlord to pay for that. And, um, also if there's any loss in the food, you should be entitled to recover that too. The, uh, if, if, uh, you could deduct it from your rent, or if you prefer, you probably uh, could, uh, if the amount's not too large, and I wouldn't think it would be, um, you can go to small claims court and sue the landlord, and you should be successful. There's no reason you shouldn't be. So that's what I would recommend. Does that answer your question? Hey, Gary, I mean, so I, I'm Steve, can I, can I do that? I came back from wherever I was and to my apartment where there was a power shortage, and my whole refrigerator, like, the, it didn't make really sense. The freezer was gone, and the refrigerator was still on, but everything defrosted. So uh, at the end of the day, um, I just went through something like that. So, Gary, I yeah. think you should Moving do it. Moving forward, I mean, I don't, I'm not worried about the food. It's just having a refrigerator. So uh, the coolers, are. we already thought about that. Thank you uh, for that suggestion. And, uh, no, I will take your advice. I will do the return receipt. And I have a form that's filled out. They already have that. I filled it out Monday and haven't heard from them at all. The super's in the building. doesn't get back to you. Well, wait. That, uh, so that's long already. If you, you told them Monday? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's to me. Filled out a form. They have it. Uh, I still have to speak with the super. I have to make contact with him. I called. I, he didn't answer my call. So hopefully sooner or later I'll get him and they'll move on it. But if not, I just wanted to know legally what... Uh, Options I have. Alternatives. Two, two things. The keep on writing. Keep a, a on mega calling. Company. They're billionaires, so it's not it's a small a, it little matter. They, building. They don't get away with it because they have a lot of money. What, what, what you need to do is keep on writing and keep on calling. Keep track of everything. I, I tell people to 
you know, take a calendar and put it on the refrigerator and, and write down on the calendar everything you've done so that if you have to go to court, you have a, a record that you made so you can say exactly when you called them and what you did, et cetera. And, um, uh, you know, it, it's they cannot it, it already is getting to be too long, in my view. I agree with Dottie. And they should do something. If they don't, then you have to give them a deadline. Tell them. If you do not do this by this date, I will have no choice but to go out and buy a new one, and I'll charge the cost back to you. Now, they're not required to give you a new refrigerator, and you can't replace their used one with a new one, but you will get something out of it. And and um, uh, if, by the way, one other thing is if they want to give you a new one and you're willing to accept a new one, um, then it goes back to what we were talking well, earlier about. They, Steve, why wouldn't he accept a new one? I wouldn't want to use one. Because they can. I don't think they'll give rent. him a used one. I think they won't, but bad. I mean, well, I, I don't know. Well, though, twice in the time I've lived here, we've had. This, is, this will be our third refrigerator that we're getting if we get one. And they have replaced them with new ones in the past. Yeah, I don't think it's worthwhile to really. Well, again, if you request and they replace it with a new one it's possible that they could increase your rent slightly so but I they haven't but you know that. i don't mind if they give us a used one as long as we get a working refrigerator i'd rather have a new one but you know with however they're going to work at this time around with the new laws i guess they feel now they'll be losing money if they buy new appliances for everyone who needs one well if they can't fix the old one or find a suitable replacement for you that works then they have to give you a new one at, at their cost. And, Gary, I think Just, it's really, I think uh, if you, you're going to send a letter, and I would write in the certified letter, and I'm not an attorney, but I just know this is common sense, I would write that I contacted whoever you did Monday or sex fixed on the date, okay, and it now has been X amount of days, and I haven't heard from you. Um, it is a refrigerator, and I'm putting you on notice, okay? But yeah, I would exactly. put in that letter the fact that you the date that you originally contacted them, and if you have a name, who you contacted. And, they, and, the I, and, and they'll do it, because they're not going to mess around for a refrigerator. I, I, just, I shouldn't say 100%, but in my infinite knowledge, if they can, you know, it's probably that they're going to do it, it's just that they didn't get around and nobody really cares enough to really jump. But I, I think with Steve Davies, good advice, do that. And do us a favor, keep us posted, let us know how you make out. I certainly will. I listen to the show every week. I will call back. Thank you, Gary. Stay cool. <laughs> well, that's truthfully. I had that happen, Steve, and then I, I don't know if we're going to, I'd like Ace. I, I don't really want to talk about my story because I want Ace. We were just saying that you, that Steve just bought a real estate investment and what yeah. he did and how he learned about it, even though he's a real estate attorney, you know, this is real estate, and he bought it so that he would, down the road, have income and cash flow and mm -hmm. It would be a good, a good supplement to what he's doing now. Um, even though he does very well, but as he gets older, he'll always have that. And Ace, you just yeah. now you've had investments, and I don't want to tell your age on the phone because <laughs> you just don't. But let's just say he's in his thirties. Yeah. And uh, leave it at that. How many investments? And he's always been in real estate. It's nothing to double. It's nothing. Douglas Elliman only enhanced it, but he was into real estate buying investment before he was with us. Yeah, I'm in my 30s. I started buying real estate when I was 23. Luckily, my dad sort of instilled that in me. But you know, now I have nine properties in my portfolio, sold and bought. But from my experiences, buying 
from a condo to a two-family to even a uh, one-family and now multi-families, you know, my experience is there's two ways in approaching real estate, right? There's an appreciation play, which is the one that you live in, and then there's cash flow, which if I had to do it all over again, I would probably, in today's marketplace, when a lot of people talk to me about investing in real estate, and let's say you're a first-time um, investor, yes. I would say if you're looking to achieve both, which is pretty much the mecca of it all, you can actually purchase your first home as a two-family. And let me explain very simply. If you buy a two-family, there's a program that the bank offers called an FHA 203K. Usually what I recommend is buy a two-family two that needs a little bit of work. All you need to do is put down 3.5%. You can purchase your first property as your primary, live on one floor, rent out the other um, unit to a tenant, and then you can use 75% of that rent roll to qualify. Wow. So now you're achieving both. So now you're achieving appreciation with your current primary home, and you also have a tenant to help you pay for your mortgage. Now you have to live in that? You have to live in it. It's your primary. But- if I had to do it all over again, right, and I was 24 years old or 25 or well, whatever 35. age or 35 or 40. 40, right, and it was my first property, I would always look for a multifamily, buy a two-family so it's not too, it's not too complicated for you to manage. But you can actually have a tenant help you pay for your own mortgage and put very little down. Wow. Yeah. And that program, we really have to go over it again. I, I, I'm trying to, let me get a quick call in. Oh, I think I lost him because it was kind of late. Um, I really think that this subject um, is really interesting and I think it's beneficial, not, not for everyone. But I, again, I, I, you know, I have some notes and, you know, that are straight out of a book. And truthfully, you could read a book and get those notes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, anybody can read a book. So I, I'm going to put together some, some good things to read. But I really think these experiences, and, and Ace, yeah. since you've done nine properties already, yeah. um, I think the, the manner that they did their homework and the way Steve, who's been a real estate attorney his whole life that I know, right? What, he, what he did to learn and have the confidence to say, hey, you know what? Now I'm going with this. I'm pulling the trigger. And um, I think hearing from them and hearing their experiences and what they both did to achieve uh, purchasing, I think is great, and I think it's great for you to understand that. And I and I do agree. I mean, with Ace about the two family, and then with Steve, you already have a, a place, so this was kind of strictly an investment, correct? Well, yes, but my daughter is living in one of the two apartments with other people, so ah. it, it was kind of a combo. It's great. Right. But what I'm saying is, though, you know, Ace just recommended, like, if you don't have anything, if you don't own anything, you could buy a two family and get and live in one of those apartments, rent the other one and then qualify to get what is that? The FHA? Yeah. Two two or three K. Two or three K. Which how much money do you have to put down? Three and a half percent. Three and a half percent. Kidding me? At an <laughs> interest rate that is under four. Yeah. Think about it. That's a great deal. That's a great deal. Listen, and I think we're, you know, uh, I really want to, 
I'm going to push this a lot over the summer or the rest of the summer only because I really believe if real estate is something that you like and you're willing to be a little bit of a landlord and that yeah, we'll talk about on another show on what that's like because hopefully you'll have great experiences but you could get stuck with a, a lemon renter. So um, I just think that there's such opportunity with this financing and everything. Um, I I just have to at least make everyone aware of it. All right, or maybe it's something a mom and and, and or a family can do, or a brother and a sister can do, or some friends. Um, listen, stay cool and have a great, great week. And I'll be back not next week, the week after. I am speaking in Vegas, which is hotter than here. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.